0: a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on Leading and Learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 407, Why is Acts of the Apostles Still Important? Part 3. So over the last couple of episodes, we've talked about this incredible Book the fifth book in our New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles. We talked about the fact that it it represents the first thirty years of the church after Jesus was was taken back up into heaven. We talked about the the key themes, and this is really why it's so important: is the things that it emphasizes. The first one we mentioned was mission. We we really do see um, the mission lived out in Acts of the Apostles, and Jesus gave us that mission before we went back up into heaven. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, that's what we see the early church doing and setting a pattern for us. We also see the work of the Holy Spirit, the fact that uh, Jesus never intended us to do uh, work and ministry in the power, our own power, but in in the power of the Holy Spirit, this cooperation with God and letting the Holy Spirit work through us. Some have even called the the Acts of the Apostles, the the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a fair uh, synopsis because we really do see the Holy Spirit in action on every single page of the book. Um, We also see that that prayer was a priority in the early church. Uh, It's so easy to drift away from that, but prayer is... Connecting with God. It's showing our dependence on God. It's drawing our strength from God. It's, it's, it's building uh, closer relationships with each other as we pray together. Prayer, corporately and individually, is lived out in Acts. And then, uh, today, we're going to start off talking about why Acts of the Apostles is still important <clears throat> by looking at this idea of community, Community is something we see over and over again in this incredible book. Now, if you live in the West, I live in America, if you live in the West, there's a a very strong emphasis on individualism. I've even heard people say that, well, you know, I follow Jesus, but I don't need the church. And the reality is that's heresy. It doesn't work that way. We are called uh, as members of the body of Christ, there's, there's no place in the New Testament where we see this Lone Ranger type of faith. Uh, faith is designed to be lived out in community. And so there's a power in connection. We see it on the very first page of Acts of the Apostles. When, when the, the, the early church, the, the very nucleus of the early church came together before Pentecost, this is after Jesus has been taken back up into heaven, and Jesus has told them to, to wait, to wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to send the promise of my Father. They really had no idea what that was, and so they, they were together, 120 of them, disciples, uh, family of Jesus, um, the apostles, and so they were together praying as one. And so there's a a real story, a real message in this that, Uh, while they were going through this time of uncertainty, not knowing what was next, they chose to to go through that time together, drawing strength from each other. We really, really do need each other. Now, a a good question, and a question we need to ask is, what does Christian community look like, at least as we see it in Acts? Here's what we see in Acts of the Apostles. This is what the writer says, he says they, let's see, this is Acts 2, 42-47, he says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What a powerful, powerful a picture of the early church. They were worshiping the temple. They were hanging out in each other's homes. They were sharing their meals together. They were providing for each other's needs. When somebody had a financial need, they were doing what they could, pulling their resources to take care of that need. What an amazing picture of community. And then there's one more um, passage that, that Luke gives us that kind of goes along with this, and this is in chapter 4, in verse 32. And he says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles in need. And and so, again, we're seeing this connection, this looking after each other. And this is not to say that um, you know, we need to go sell our houses and, and give the money away. Although, if the Holy Spirit tells you to, then maybe that's a good thing to do. But there is this idea that they were not going to let there be a needy person be among them. They were looking for ways to take care of each other within the context of their community. And so, um, you know, how do, we, how do we apply these things today? Well, I think looking at, at, at what we can do in our community Um, This is why small groups are so important in the life of every church, because it allows us to come together and really experience the life of Jesus in a smaller setting and and, and practice this community. We've got small groups in our church that have pooled their money to help somebody in need, to help a family in need. Um, Sometimes that's done as a whole church, but often it's done at the, the small group level. So it's definitely something to consider. Another place we see this idea of community is in a couple of the local churches that Paul uh, started in Acts. Um, One of them we see in Acts 16, the Philippian church. Uh, This started with a businesswoman converting to Christianity. And after she converted, her name was Lydia, and after she converted, she became the first host of the early church in Philippi. And then the next thing we see is a slave girl being converted to Christianity. Um, She was possessed by a demon. Paul cast the demon out. And it's implied that she became a part of the church. And then Paul and and Silas were thrown into jail for this. You can't be setting uh, uh, demon-possessed slave girls free. So they were cast into jail after receiving a good beating. And the jailer and his family became Christian. So you see this interesting picture this this slice of the philippian church that, that 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 luke gives us um this church that paul started and and so you see these differing uh, socioeconomic um uh, uh classes coming together a, a, a supposedly rich businesswoman she was rich enough to host the church and to have the church meet at her house a slave girl who had nothing to offer and then kind of a blue-collar worker, the, the the jailer in his family. So what an interesting mix. And, you know, when you go to most churches today, that's what you see. Um, you see kind of a cross-section. Um, I know I certainly do in our own. In most of the churches that I preach in, you see this, this slice uh, of humanity. Some people um, are well-to-do, others are not so well-to-do, but they're all coming together as one family worshiping the Lord. And then in Acts 19, we see this other church that that Paul planted um, in Ephesians, in the the, the city of Ephesus, the the church of the Ephesians. And this one was interesting because it started with a group of maybe a dozen men and their families who came out of the synagogue, who had heard about Jesus, who, who were filled with the Holy Spirit, who converted and were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they became the nucleus of the church. In Ephesus, and in the church in Ephesus is fascinating because we see a number of people um, coming out of an occultic background. the 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 goddess that they worshipped in Ephesus was uh, Artemis, and there was a lot of occultic uh, religion, a lot of magic involved, and so. There were a lot of people coming out of that that black magic and this darkness that was associated with that and burning their implements of witchcraft, if you will. And so, again, a fascinating picture of of the people who were coming to Christ in the first century. We also see in the Ephesian church a church that was sending people out from the Ephesian church. Churches in the entire region, in, in that entire area, were planted and it said that all of Asia had heard the gospel because of the Ephesian church. So, so again, we see um, the Holy Spirit moving, and we see it happening in the context of community. We also have, um, we see Paul starting the, the Corinthian church. That's a an amazing story. Um, you know, we see Paul working in, in Rome, a church he did not plant, but we also see him uh, having an impact there. And in so many other churches, uh, the Thessalonian church, the Berean church—you um, know, these are churches that that Paul uh, started. These are church plants from him, churches throughout Galatia. But this 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 powerful emphasis on community, and um, you know, really, this is God's been God's plan all along. He never intended us to do, intended us to do life on our own. It's always in the context of. Uh, Go away. We will be right back. But I wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you, my book, by my book, On Acts: of The Apostles, Peter and Paul in Acts. In this book, Peter and Paul in Acts, we focus on the two most preeminent apostles in the early church: the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul. These men uh, were, were the two leading voices in the early church. Of course, there were others. But, but these were the two most eminent apostles, the two most influential apostles in the early days of Christianity. And, of course, it was Paul who took Christianity and took it from uh, Palestine and really uh, spread it throughout the Roman Empire. As we've just been talking about the, the number of churches that he planted. Um, when you look in his letters and in Acts of the Apostles, Um, probably somewhere between 12 and 20 churches Paul planted. And this was in the first century. Travel was difficult. There was no technology. Uh, It was just Paul and his team working together to spread the gospel and plant Christian communities in influential centers uh, of the Roman Empire. So Peter and Paul in Acts is is a look at these two men and their ministries. How did they do ministry? That's what we focus on. Um, I think you'll find it fascinating. It's a great guidebook to read as you study the Acts of the Apostles. So by all means, click on the link, grab a copy. I know you will love it. All right, well, this is the last one. Um, We're looking at why Acts of the Apostles is is still important today. Um, We just talked about community, the power of community, the power of the local church. Um, Now, uh, the, re- the last one, the last reason that Acts of the Apostles is still so important is its emphasis on leadership. Uh, we see some incredible leadership studies in the Acts of the Apostles. In fact, for Christian leaders, we need to be very, very familiar with the leadership principles that we see in Acts of the Apostles, because um, if we want to lead the church like like we need to lead it, if we want to be the Christian leaders that we need to be, um, we can draw so much from the, the principles that are present here. The, we're only going to mention a couple of them, uh, but the first one we see is in the very first chapter of Acts of the Apostles. The very first chapter is we see the Apostle Peter leading those early Christians through a time of transition. And if you've ever been a leader in a church, if you've ever been a leader in a business, you know that transition, transitional leadership can be very, very difficult, um, and it can also be very pivotal and very important for the organization. Well, the transition was this. For the previous three years, They had been working with Jesus in the flesh. He had been on the earth. He had been doing a ministry. Um, They had been, uh, you know, basically with Jesus 24-7. And now, after the crucifixion uh, and after the resurrection, Jesus was with them for 40 days to to prepare them for, for his departure. But now he's gone. He has been taken back up into heaven. And they are expected to continue what he started. But obviously this is a big transition when you've had Jesus in the flesh and now you're you're beginning to operate in this new realm of the Holy Spirit um who you can't see. Um Jesus is with you by his spirit, but you can't see him. So it's a very different type uh, of ministry. And so Peter really was the man who led his his team and led his his brothers and sisters through this time of transition to um, continue what Jesus had started. And this is fascinating because Peter was not a trained leader. Jesus had trained him. Peter was a fisherman by trade. A big personality, loud, boisterous. You always knew what he was thinking because he said it. And Jesus had trained him and equipped him to be the the leader to to these early apostles and, and, and disciples and the leader in the early church. And so... The the man who had failed so spectacularly when he denied Jesus was now the man who had stepped up to fill the leadership vacuum. And and one of the things we see in Peter in these early chapters is him really trying to lead like Jesus did. Uh, The Jesus model of leadership, if you will. The servant leader. Um, he, he, he encouraged, in fact, Jesus said, when you've returned, after you've betrayed me, Jesus prophesied, he said, when, you, when you've, you've, you've betrayed me, but when you return, when you turn back to me, you are going to be able to strengthen your brothers. And that's what we see. He is the man who really does step up and fill that leadership vacuum. So leading through a transition, uh, he did a phenomenal job with that. And then we also see the apostles, the, the team of apostles, leading through growth and crisis. You know, when when we have a period of growth in our organization whether or in your church, um, growth brings its own set of issues and challenges. We all want to grow. If you've got a business, you want to grow. If you've got a church, you want to grow. But we also understand that growth brings challenges. Growth and success uh, expose cracks in our foundation, if you will. So are you prepared for growth? We all want it, but do you have the systems in place for growth? And we see this in Acts 6. In Acts 6, listen to what this says. In Acts 6, verse 1, it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Isn't that interesting? The, the the believers are growing, the church is growing, but there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So there was some, some, some tension here between the The those who were actually born in Israel, and those who were Greek-speaking Jews who had moved back after being um, uh, raised—you know—still good Jews, but they had been raised to speak Greek in one of the other nations, and so now they're coming home, and there's there's this idea that you know you're not real Jews because you weren't born here, but we are, and so there was some tension, and whether it was intentional or not, the. The Greek-speaking believers complained that their widows were being neglected during the daily distribution of food. And this happens during a period of growth. And so during this period of growth, we we find a crack in the foundation. There's a system in place, but it's not a good one. And the widows were not being looked after. And here's what you, you love to see the apostles dealt with this in such a great way, and we can learn so much from this. Rather than stepping in and solving the problems themselves, here's what they said do. The Twelve called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, We, as apostles, should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, you select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, we will give them this responsibility. Then we can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following men. So, look at this. You know, the apostles could have rushed in to be the hero and, you know, made sure all the ladies got fed and took care of that problem. But instead, they pushed the the, the problem, the challenge, back down and said, listen, you guys help us solve this problem. Obviously, there's a challenge here, um, and and it's not our job. We are not. We know who we are, and we know what we're called to do, so we're not going to just um, take this extra responsibility on ourselves. You pick seven good men, seven good men full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit, and then we will pray for them and release them into this responsibility, and that's what they did. So they gave trust, they gave authority, and this solved the problem. Everyone was happy. You don't read about this problem, this incident happening again in in the Acts of the Apostles. Um, Great way to handle it. Um, We see also in James, uh, James the brother of Jesus. Um, By Acts 15, he's become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And now we've got a new problem. Uh, We see that there's this contention over, should we require non-Jews to become Jews if they want to be Christians? Kind of makes sense. Christianity started off as a Jewish religion. So should we force the, the men to become circumcised? Should we force them to keep the law if they're going to become real Christians? James brought everybody together They had a long discussion. He heard all the sides, and then he said, all right, brothers, it's my decision that this is what we're going to do. We're not going to make it difficult for those Gentiles, those non-Jews who are turning to the Lord. And so he gave them a few simple rules that would allow them to, um, you know, fellowship easier with the Jewish Christians. But essentially, he said, it's just not, we're not going to do that. You don't have to become a Jew to become a Christian. Thank God. So, again, a great decision, great leadership, um, some great principles there. And then the last one, we'll close on this one, is the Apostle Paul himself. When you look at the Apostle Paul and his ministry in Acts, you see a man who built teams to accomplish his mission. It started off with he and Barnabas, and then it was he and Silas and Timothy. Um, eventually, he's uh, working with Luke. He's got so many other people on his team. He mentions these in his letters. It's also mentioned in Acts, and so you see Paul developing um, not just a team of followers, but a team of leaders, who who had teams of their own, and these guys were going and working and planting churches throughout the Roman Empire. So, really, just some amazing leadership principles here in the Acts of the Apostles. So. One more quick recap. We started off talking about the the mission that we see in Acts. We talked about the Holy Spirit, who we see working very clearly through his people in Acts. Uh, The power of prayer. The power of community. And then also the incredible leadership principles that we see in the Acts of the Apostles. And these are the reasons the Acts of the Apostles are still important for us today. I hope you'll check them out. I hope you'll read the book. It's great. Check out my book, Peter and Paul on and Acts, and, uh, and I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave a question or comment in the comment section for today's post, and uh, while you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. Um, I send it out periodically. I actually just sent one out a couple of days ago describing and talking about my recent trip to the Congo and, and, and Africa And uh, so there's always some great stuff coming out. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and I will see you next week on Leading and Learning.